Welcome to Garbage of the Five Rings, a podcast largely dedicated to the discussion of oatmeal and hands. I'm one of your hosts, Jude Vase, and today my co-host Amelia Antrim and I begin examining one of Tatori's favorite hobbies, not being where he's supposed to, as we begin the Hidden Emperor era. Hey, we made it! Yay, finally! We did it! <laughs> that thing we've been promising to do. Four, I mean, this is what, like three episodes later than we thought we'd get here, but yeah. Uh, I want to point out too, so this is releasing the beginning of September. We started the beginning of January. It took us eight months to get through. That's awful. I, oh I, hate, I hate that that's true. Oh my God. Um, I mean, we had three non- like non-lore episodes right because we did the novel we did a new 5r and we did a gen con um, but still that only accounts for six weeks of that eight months <laughs> that bodes real bad i mean that that really suggests we're going to be doing this for a very long time yeah at one point in one of our earlier episodes i said we are going to be doing this until we die because this will kill us i think there's a reasonable chance of that good lord Eight months on Clan Wars, and Clan Wars is a very small set relative to the the, the body of this game. Yep. Huh. <laughs> so Clan you know, Wars only lasts. Clan. How long does Clan Wars last? Two years. We. we oh, it took us like forty percent of the time of the set. At that rate, we're going to be doing this podcast for like seven years. <laughs> This is more rage math, everyone. Like, oh, okay, hold on. Dark thoughts, dark thoughts. Let's move okay. on. Okay, all right. Happier things. Corrections and non-apologies. I am today not apologizing to Ryan. First of all, because we don't apologize. Secondly, I most assuredly would never apologize to him. Apparently, in a previous episode, I was wrong about the Bat Clan school ability and the actual distance of its effectiveness. I am not sorry. It doesn't matter. I, I am going to dispute this correction. Um, as Ryan, our friend of the show, uh, is my mortal nemesis, uh, I cannot accept that he would be correct. And therefore, I do not accept that we were wrong. That's fair. Um, almost every game we've played in, he has like mortally wounded my character. So, um, Except for that one where we were famously married. Ryan doesn't deserve a correction or an apology. So let's move on. Yes. Kind of an announcement. So I don't know. This is now corrections, not apologies and announcements. It's my show. I can do that. Uh, we have a Discord now. So it's pinned our pinned tweet on Twitter. Otherwise, I'll put a link to it in the show notes if I remember. Um, but you can come. <laughs> I, I say that a lot and then I forget. Um, but you can come find us there and hang out and talk about this crap if uh, an hour every two weeks isn't enough. Yeah, we have discussions about we have a channel for talking about our dumbass episodes and then also various other CCG old L5R related stuff. So come on down and be horrified. Yeah. Why don't you? Yep. It's trash. Join uh, us in the dumpster. Yeah. Oh, that's what we should call it. The dumpster. Oh, we should rename it. Okay. okay. Note to self. Yeah. <laughs> also, exciting news. Very, very exciting news. Um, 
everyone we have a t-shirt <laughs> yeah we're really excited about this t-shirt design we're not gonna say anything else about it i Just, mean we probably will have said something by the time this comes out in yes two weeks so but uh yeah people in the past keep your eyes on twitter people in the future reading this now go to wherever we put this t-shirt and buy it because <laughs> it's fucking stupid and great and we're real excited about it we've been giggling about this this dumb t-shirt design since uh, amelia had the idea for it a few weeks ago yeah it's it's very good um i will hopefully remember to put a link for that in the show notes too and i'm sure we'll tweet about it um to show off the super fun art that jess did for us because jess is a treasure um and we are so excited that they're able to bring our trash trash idea to life and now put it on a t-shirt that you can wear on your body (laughs) (laughs) for whatever reason yeah seriously if if by the time this is out um dear listeners if you do end up buying our dumb t-shirt please send us a picture (laughs) please (laughs) yes absolutely i i refuse to believe that more than three of these shirts will ever be sold uh myself amelia and your son oh so that's just two for me (laughs) (laughs) well there you go that's three right but i would i would be shocked to be proven otherwise so we'll see what happens yeah it was no, I don't care. It was worth that, the money. That's not true. I can think of at least two people that uh, among our Twitter followers that will probably get the joke and buy the t-shirt. Yeah. All right. Okay, I'm on. so excited. This is a very vague <laughs> discussion yeah. of a thing that like I'm sure will be public knowledge by then. Yeah. Okay. Uh So, uh we are beginning Hidden Emperor and I'm fucking psyched because I have been so excited to get to air quotes you can't see real l5r uh kind of since we started this project and hidden emperor really feels like the l5r that i remember um i've said this a few times over the last few episodes since we started researching it but boy howdy um hidden emperor feels like l5r to me real l5r the one that i started in in gold it's got multiple parallel byzantine fuck-ass plot lines and (laughs) lots of fiction so much fucking fiction um there's just all kinds of weird supernatural bullshit going on it's this is my l5r so i've just been like rubbing my palms together look with a greedy look on my face as we get into this so yeah it hasn't been torturous to read it's stuff is actually happening like it feels like the fictions matter like it's good yeah and a lot yeah, and a lot of the stuff is, a lot of the stuff is really, I mean, it's not Shakespeare, but a lot of it's well written and entertaining. And, I mean, I can only think of like one place I've been, even close to offended, um, that wasn't just the Dragon Clan being stupid Dragon Clan. So. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, a lot just less a, trash. Yeah, it's a real step up in quality. So it it really, I mean, don't don't worry, don't worry. We are it's not still gonna, bad. It's still bad. We will still find things to complain about because that's what we're here for. But uh, it's real exciting to be doing um, this arc, uh, which 
I remember super clearly because this was the first arc that I had described to me. Um, if you remember our first episode and we talked about our origin stories with L5R, um, Clan Wars, so the description I got from Clan Wars was uh, Fulang took over the Emperor after uh, Shouju killed him, killed the Emperor's father, and then Tatori killed Shouju. That was it. That was the Clan Wars recap I got. I mean, and then, to and, then be the, fair. and then the Thunders killed killed the uh, Fulang when he took over. Like the recap of of the Clan Wars I got literally was like four sentences. But then I got like six hours of oral recitation of Hidden Emperor, like all these wacky plot lines and the stuff with Hitomi and like all this stuff. So this is like I'm really excited to see how accurate doug's retellings were because i have like some particular rememberings of, of what happened in here and i'm really interested to see how much of that i remembered clearly i'm excited for you to like find out how many things were were wrong oh it's going to be so much i'm I, I have every expectation that much of it will be wrong because like it's your memory of doug's memory yeah it's like like third <laughs> it's yeah it's like three three removes from the original so uh, anyway, um, are you ready to is... actually do this now? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, we've got some background information that we're going to throw out there. This episode, um, we've divided, um, we're going to talk a little bit about the, the methodology that we use here, um, first, but we're going to do some background information, a little quick refresher on the clan wars for you poor sods that chose the hidden emperor arc to jump on, which is not a bad choice. Yeah. Why would you clear. say that to them? That was a smart choice. That was a smart choice. Um, and then, um, yeah, so let's get started. All right. So we stated at the beginning of Scorpion Clan Coup that each set means past is dead. If we made a mistake, we weren't going to apologize for it anyway, but we're not going to discuss it either. So just your new arc reminder, not doing that. Clan Warrior Refresher. Since there was a coup in between, and now we're finally getting back to this. Um, it's actually been about two months since we talked about the actual clan wars, too, which is insane to me. Yeah. God, why is this taking us so long? Um, this arc picks up about two years after that, uh, around 1129, 1130, for those using their string and pushpins at home. Here's where we left off. A bunch of clan champions are dead. They were... Yay! yay. They fought with Fulang. He snapped them like a twig. Um, <laughs> the Phoenix are fucked. Uh, they went real tank crazy, and now they don't got none Phoenixes. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately for us, and for you probably, dear listeners, Toturi is now the emperor. Unfortunately for everyone. Yeah. He's now the emperor. Um, Scorpion are a clan again. For a little while. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Creepy-ass Kuni Yori escaped and probably took Fulang's head with him. He definitely did. Yeah. Um, and Mantis are a clan now. Yep. I think that's most of what you need to know. Yep. Uh, so, methodology. Um, this... We had a debrief after Clan Wars talking about how we went about researching and what had worked and what hadn't in developing our episodes for Clan Wars. Um, for Scorpion Clan Coup, we really didn't have a methodology since there wasn't much uh, to read there. We kind of just read it all and then 
banged out the uh, the episodes. Um, I don't think screaming at the uh, screaming at the fictions in frustration that they were so stupid and bad counts as a methodology. So uh, for Hidden Emperor, however, um, we really don't have that luxury. Hidden Emperor, as we have already stated, is a whole like two orders of magnitude more, if not more magnitudes, more than, than Clan Wars. It's more fictions. They're longer fictions. They're more complex. There's right out of the gate, there are multiple large overarching plot lines to keep track of. There's just more, 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 more of everything. I remember in Clan Wars, we both were so frustrated at the clan letters because they essentially just every one of them said the same thing over and over and over again, just from a different clan's perspective. And even in this one, that isn't the case. Like each one has its own specific thing going on. Like, so even if there aren't, I don't know that there are really a ton more fictions in this one than there were in Clan Wars. Oh, uh, there's, there's, a, there's, a there's lo- more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's more. I don't think it is as many as I, like I went back and compared and it wasn't as many more as I thought it was, I guess. Um, but they are, yeah, longer, more complex. There's more diff like more different things happening than there were in Clan Wars. Yeah. 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 So, um, in the past, we just read everything and then started outlining and recording. Um, this worked, but uh, is obviously kind of a lot to try and keep in our heads uh, and is not really sustainable. Uh, this time, we're not able to do that. So we're sort of taking things in pieces. We're building some push pin and red string timelines and outlines, uh, high level stuff. Um, the end result means that there may be stuff that falls into a slightly different order. Um, our hope is that this results in a much more sort of coherent timeline, uh, start to finish. Um, and that the pieces that we do cover, we cover really clearly because we're focused on just those pieces that we're covering. Um, but yeah, we're learning as we go. Um, and yeah, that's, that's it. Um, if yeah, things... I mean, I think that the big difference here potentially is that like Clan Wars, because we read everything beginning to end before we started outlining it all, which part of that we had the advantage of deciding to make a podcast, having plenty of time to read and then releasing a podcast. Um, and now that we're on a schedule, we don't have that. The advantage of that was that when things were off later in the story or something happened at the beginning of the story that didn't get explained until later we had already put all of those pieces together whereas this time we're not quite as able to do that because we haven't read everything yet so there may be things toward the beginning that we're like this doesn't really make sense or i don't know where this is going or i have questions that will get answered later we just haven't answered them yet we're on a, a journey of discovery to a certain degree. Yeah. So uh, this first section that we are going to be starting on tonight, uh, we refer to in our notes as the prelude. The prelude, it covers all the stuff that happens up until the moment. Spoilers, but not really. Tatori vanishes. That's what kicks off. The becomes hidden. Yeah. Tutori, that's what kicks off this, this whole storyline and arc. 
and the stuff we're going to be covering tonight and possibly in the next episode depending on how much comes out of this um is all the stuff all the setup for for that moment so let's uh let's get into it i'm ready so this is in we're talking like 1128 to 1130 here um yep. the two years between when the clan wars end when Fulan gets his head chopped off and when Taturi goes missing again Taturi is the emperor and he is he's just you know he's doing his best for now things are okay he is crowned Emperor of Rokugan, Master of the Chrysanthemum, Lord of the Seven Hills, Director of Oatmeal Studies. It's, <laughs> you know, like a billion names. He's also having conversations with the descendant of Shinsei, uh, our friend the Hooded Ronin. Love him. Mm-hmm. And they create the new Tao. Because... Yep. I don't know. We needed a new one. Why? Yep. Why? Um, because everybody I guess... was like, Toturi, you're so smart. Oh, my God. Will you write stuff down? Yeah, I... Dude, Toturi has a blog now. It is. Oh, my God. You're right. It really is. No, oh, my I... God. He's the worst. <laughs> I I don't understand the need for the new Tao. Um, I get what they're doing with it, that they're like... History repeats itself. The last time there was a Shinsei, he did a Tao, so obviously there needs to be a new Tao. But you're, you know, Hantai was a celestial being, and Tatori is basically a human lima bean. So. Oh my god, he is. Oh my god. It feels like you're, you're, you're pitching at a different speed here um and that doesn't go great um and that's because spoilers the guy that is transcribing all of this is a colot hey jude uh, yeah amelia what's the colot i don't know what is the colot i don't know i haven't had time to read the merchant's guide to rokugan yet <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know. We're going to find out. We're going to find out. Um, but yeah, I the, swear to God, we will. From the from its very inception, the new Tau is corrupted um, for reasons, I guess. But uh, it is very mysterious how this all happens. And not even like corrupted in our favorite kind of corrupted way. No, Just not the like fun corrupted. Not but the they fun are like <laughs> they're like tinkering with the text. Um, what else is going on? Um, the clans are assigned new slash old renewed duties. Um, except for the Phoenix who ghosts the emperor when he's handing out duties, which is classy. Um, the Phoenix, I guess, nonetheless are given a duty, which is basically, um, get your shit together. Yeah, get your shit together to, to quote, reclaim your magic and recover lost knowledge. Let the phoenix be granted time to rebuild and grow strong again. Yep. Get yep. your shit together. Yeah. It's um, a rebuilding year. Yeah. <laughs> that's a really good way of putting it. It's a rebuilding <laughs> year. Uh, that's sad. Yeah, I mean, the 
the crux of this is basically Chitauri's like, okay, everybody get back to work. Crap. Yeah. Go back and do the thing that you were supposed to do. Quit being friends with the Shadowlands. You know, like, it. he wants everything. He's like, everybody just go back to normal. Pretend like nothing happened. It's fine. Yeah. The two that are noteworthy that I want to call out, or the three that I want to call out, are the Mantis, to which he says... It shall be the duty of the Mantis to regent all disputes and troubles of the unaligned lands. So this is going to be soups relevant as we go through uh, the plot of the next few years, because he basically says that they are in charge of all lands not occupied or being managed by the great clans. And Yoritomo being the used car salesman that he is, clearly takes this at face value yeah he he runs with this mandate and and takes a pretty broad interpretation of it uh the next is the unicorn clan uh which is i'm getting all these from the cards charter of the x clan which are from uh right off the flavor text right off the card uh the unicorn clan says and the unicorn shall be my eyes and ears bringing justice and honor to all clans of the empire um Basically, he turns the Unicorn Clan uh, into his personal Emerald uh, emerald Magistrate Army, um, which is a bold choice. I'm not entirely sure why he did that, uh, but right on. Um, I mean, I, I, it's an interesting choice. But What else were you going to have the Unicorn do, though? Because it's not like they've established any personality so far. It's not like you can say, oh, yes, they're known for this thing. It's, yeah. They're known for... I don't know, also be in a clan? Yeah, they give a justification, but uh, when I say I, I don't understand it, I mostly mean I'm not entirely sure why the writers did it. Um, it seems like a weird flex to just be like, I'm going to make an entire clan my my uh, my army when I already have one. Like, I, I, I know what I it know. is. What they're, the setting up, they're setting up future conflicts. That's what they're doing. But it works. Uh, we'll see how it works out because it actually does set up some really interesting conflicts with the unicorn as his... Um, representatives of the imperial law. Uh, and then last, the charter of Tutori's army, uh, in which he says, Swear your oaths to me, my valiant friends, for I know your worth among men. The emperor's house will be reborn. Uh, so basically, he turns Tutori's army into a new imperial house. He swears them into the uh, imperial guard and the imperial house and makes himself a new, a new Tutori family. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Uh, the clans have been reestablished and we have some other stuff going on. Um, of the Tutori's army, a luminary from the clan wars, Toku, is offered the position of captain of the Imperial Guard. Uh, Toku is a character, an interesting character to me because when this story was told to me, I remember Toku being a big deal. But when we went back and read Clan Wars, he's like, he's a nothing. He shows up in the story nowhere. Yeah, I mean, um, I think, like, doesn't he, like, sign one of the letters from Tatari's army or something? Something like that, like that. Like yeah. I he's a, he's a nothing in the Clan Wars. But I think this must be where his sort of legend begins. Uh, because it turns out um, Toku is not a samurai. Toku is a hymen. And he offers to commit seppuku... Uh, be, for out of you know for having committed this sin of taking up a dead samurai sword and during the clan wars instead 
Tatori grants him the status of samurai and creates the Monkey Minor Clan for him and all his people. Uh, I feel maybe this is just me, but I feel like I'd be offended if somebody created a minor clan for me and called it the Monkey. But perhaps I don't have the same cultural context. Maybe monkeys mean something really honorable in Rokugan and not like, you know, pests that steal tourists' cameras and shit everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I would hope that that's not what they mean. So. Yep. We also have um, Takuan as an imperial advisor, although, interestingly enough, what? Imperial Chancellor. Imperial Chancellor. That's right. Uh, For those of us that don't know, um, Takuan is a former crane that became a ronin and then a follower of Tatori. Why was he a ronin? Um, I don't remember him. He's... All of this backstory is stuff that came out of, like, I think... I want to say time of the void it mentions his backstory he gets like a little a little write-up like one of those little like npc blurbs oh i think i i just remember that he's a daidoji okay and he was he became a ronin sometime before the clan wars and then joined up with Tatori and then became the chancellor well good for him um i mean also kind of weird that he's a crane but I guess then technically not a crane, so whatever. Yeah. Um, Ide Tadaji supposedly becomes the imperial advisor. Um, it says in, um, is it in Secrets of the Unicorn that it says that he does? Well, so it says in both Way and Secrets of the Unicorn, it says that he trains the next imperial advisor when he begins to get old, and it talks extensively about his like politicking and his like relationship with the Tatoris, but it never explicitly states in those books, unless I'm an idiot, which is, I mean, I make this podcast, so possible. Possible. Uh, Unless I really miss something, I could not find anywhere except the wiki, which just says that he's the Imperial advisor. I could not find a source that just says Ide Tadaji is the Imperial advisor. Everywhere I looked, it was inferred that he was the imperial advisor based on other stuff. Yeah. So there were a couple of things that kind of pointed in different directions um, because there was some flavor text on a card that refers to um, Kakita Yoshi as the advisor still. And then there's an imperial herald um, that says that Tuturi selected a crane as his imperial advisor, which obviously an Ide, not a crane. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's sort of implied that he at least knows advisory things and perhaps does some advising, but unclear if he's actually the imperial advisor. Yeah. So this is sometime around 1129, 1130. Somewhere around here, Kakita Yoshi, Ide there's an imperial advisor. One of them is it. Maybe one stops being, the other becomes... I don't know. Uh, if you There's know... There's advising going on. Yeah. Um, Which, honestly, Taturi needs. You know, so, like, maybe he has two advisors, because um, I don't think that one would be enough. And clearly, even if there are two, that wasn't enough either. Yeah, obviously. 
so last he, he, in the Tatori is mediocre section, we have the opening of the Phoenix Gates. Uh, I really like this section because it demonstrates how profoundly bullshit the Phoenix mythos is. The Phoenix have always said, we are the specialist of the special Shugenja. You cannot compare to the Asawa mystique. We take only the best. And what happens after they get shellacked for being a bunch of corrupt Maho-using dinguses? Well, yeah, now they don't have any elemental council because they all got dead. Uh, and they barely have enough Shugenja to light their magic fires. So they throw open their gates and say, if you can light a magic candle, come on in. And they bring everybody in. And guess what's going to happen in like one arc? They're going to be back to normal. Same old arrogant Phoenix twerps, which would suggest to me that there's nothing special about being a Phoenix at all. It's just funny red kimonos. I'm hurt. That was the point. Wow. I thought we were friends. Look, they're really great at close-up magic, Jude. (laughs) (laughs) It's the dessert of magic. Uh, On a slightly less uh, smart-ass note, um, I do know that one one of the big things about Shugenja and Rokugan is the the schools are all jealously hoarding all of their uh, their training documents, all of their training manuals and stuff. And so the Phoenix like opening up their gates and just being like, yeah, we'll we'll train fucking anybody as long as you'll you'll join the Phoenix is a big deal because that brings in a bunch of people in. And then those people, some of those people are going to go back out and go back to their old families or I mean, there has to be a sort of a general dissemination of magical knowledge as a result of this opening of the gates. Um, it just depends on which gates they opened. I did, in some of my reading, find the first reference that I've seen so far to Gisei Toshi, um, which is their secret city that nobody knows about because it's invisible. You just wait. We'll get there. Um, but they keep all their super secret stuff there. So, you know. That's Maybe dumb. they're not letting have all these weirdos have all the information. It's like when guests come over and you like hide the hide the good silverware. Yeah. Uh, that's terrible. What? An invisible city. Did you, have you not heard of Gisetoshi? I have. I just it doesn't make it any less stupid. Okay, it's my favorite. Yeah, I love it. It's just classic Phoenix bullshit. And I love it, it. It is classic Phoenix bullshit. Um, all right. Uh, among the various people that saunter back to the, to the Phoenix for, to, uh, join up is, uh, Nakakuro, formerly Isawa Kuro, formerly Kuro, a grandmaster of the elements. Um, we'll talk about him a little bit later in the, you did this to yourselves section, an exciting new feature of this podcast wherein we talk about the tournament decisions that the players have inflicted story choices upon themselves uh, because the clan that he joined was a result of a storyline choice. So we'll talk about that a little later. 
But I'm yeah. excited. Nakakuro excited. is a very powerful Shugenja who joins the Phoenix. Uh, lucky for them, because he probably was pretty helpful. Jude, yeah. are you ready to talk about your number one favorite clan being run by one of your favorite dudes? No. Cool. So we're going to talk about them now. You guys, the crab are doing fine. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. They're doing real, real good. Oh, geez. Are we talking about the crab? We're talking about the crab. So, oh. um, not first in our outline, but I want to talk first about Quesada. Because I think that, like, people maybe don't know what he's up to. And, you know, like, they've just really missed your hot takes on Quesada. So... Do you want to tell everybody what he's up to? He did. <laughs> God damn it. Was that? Oh my God. Sorry. He did. Okay. Uh, yes. So as a result of being snapped like a twig. Yep. He's not doing so great. No, he's not. Thankfully. Right. Um, somewhere in this intervening two years... He dies. It's not really ever explained where or when. Uh, we know that it's a result of his injuries from being snapped like a twig. Yeah. He lingers. Apparently his wounds finally claim him. I hope it was long and painful. It was sepsis. Um, yeah, he finally kicks the bucket. Um, the Unfortunately for me... Quesada dying is great, but it leads to one of the more bullshit uh, things that Tatori does in this era, which is, well, okay, so there's a funeral. I'm getting ahead of myself. They 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 have a funeral for, for Quesada. I'll get to the bullshit part in just a second, because there's, there's another piece of bullshit I want to cover first. Uh... There's a card called Casada's Funeral in which there's a quote from Hida Yakimo that I hate that I will read you. Are you prepared? I'm sure. They will call him a traitor, a coward, and more because it's true and he is. Fuck you, Yakimo. But he was also that, our It doesn't leader. say that on the card, just to be clear. It doesn't no. say that part on the card. But he was also our leader and my father. And in the end, that was enough. No, it's not. No, it's not. That does not stop him from being a traitor and a coward. And also, um, a leader and maybe your father, but certainly not Sukune's father. Right? Uh, after you had your son, like, nailed up as a banner for the Shadowlands. Yeah. Like, uh, what kind of leader slash father does that? Uh, I hate Kasada. Um, nonetheless, and here's the part that I really hate. Tatori names him a fucking fortune. The fortune of persistence. Persistently being a piece of shit, maybe, but... Ugh. Persistence, stubbornness. Yeah. I'm persistent. Um, yeah. Uh, later on, in not one, but two sets in the future, in Reign of Blood, way in the future, uh, it will be implied that Tatori does this as a political maneuver to secure the loyalty of the crab, which 
is redeeming to some degree. The idea that the crab are still so disloyal and shitty that they have to have their their disloyal, shitty leader uh, canonized in order to secure their loyalty to the throne gratifies me. I like that. Um, but fuck, I hate everything about this otherwise. Yeah, it just... It's... It's such trash because he, like, fought every step of the way against the Empire. And, like, one of the first things that you do as Emperor is be like, hey, let me posthumously give you this huge honor, dear person who would have gladly have me dead if I were the Emperor. Yeah, it's of all the people to, to to make a fortune, it makes no sense. And I, honest to God, I expected there to be a tournament result for this. I was so sure I was going to go on Jade Hand and find, you know, yeah, a tournament I result. I thought it was. I thought so, too. I was so sure that one of these tournaments was going to be, you know, name one of the clan wars dead to become a fortune. Nope. I could not find any evidence of that. If I'm wrong, please Please, if I am if I am wrong, someone out there tell me, and I would love to be wrong on this one. But I can't. I could not find any any indication that there was a player storyline result here. I think this was just the writers being mean to me. They knew. They, they knew did. in the future. They're like, he's out there somewhere. Yeah. Either that, or there was a really big crab stand on the writing team. And just decided to fuck with everybody else. Could be. In the time after that, obviously, Yakimo becomes clan champion. Yakimo, noted for his cool head and, you know... Moderate liberal values. Right. Um, is going to make some decisions. He's going to piss some people off. The first one, this is what we were talking about when we talked about things that were kind of gross, um, is he decides that his sister, Hidaoushi, um, who, hey, by the way, did y'all know Kasada had a daughter? Bet you didn't. Yeah, she gets name-checked, I think, once in Clan Wars yeah, or something like, like that. Yeah, at the very end. I think she has a card, too, but yeah, she doesn't come up much. Um, right. We don't talk about her much. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Yakimo decides that she is going to get married. And she is having none of it. Yeah. This is this, such... So, okay. This fiction. Yeah. This is a great fiction. It's called um, A Good Little Wife by uh, Ree Sosby. And it's not perfect. There's some stuff going on here, almost all of it by Yakimo, but the depiction of Oushi is fucking great. She takes she she hears this news and her response is to stomp out into the Shadowlands and go murder goblins for a while. And one of the one uh what is this? Um it's Daidoji Uh-oh. What's Daidoji his name? Uji? Daidoji Uji watches this and says to himself, I feel bad for the goblins tonight. Like, yes, <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I love this depiction of her that like, yeah. um, let's see. I grabbed well, a quote from it. Um, 
I hope you choose a strong husband, my lord. Oushi's voice strained to be polite, and her hand twisted around the hilt of her hammer. Or he may not survive the wedding night. Okay, great. Uji and Yakumo stared openly as her smile grew broader, and then Yakumo slammed his jade fist upon the stone of the wall, opening a wide crack in the granite. Yeah. I love the fact that she knows exactly which buttons to push. Yeah. The the gross part is that immediately following his um, borderline abusive outburst there, he, like, yells at her to submit to his authority. Um, But another part of the story that I really like is when she comes back from her goblin smashing... Um, Daidoji Uji is uh, ogling her from a distance and watching her return from her sojourn. And she is, she has a great relationship with the rest of the, of the crab forces. She's totally confident and calm and easy around all of her troops. She's a, a, a leader. They respect her and they are Obviously, they they are very fond of her and they appreciate her for her strength and for her um, ferocity. And I think that's really cool that there's she's a crab and they respect her for being a crab. And I think that's a really cool depiction. Yeah, I mean, and this felt so this part of it anyway, felt so refreshing after so many of the depictions that we got in Clan Wars and Scorpion Clan Coup that you have this woman who is like strong and capable and smart and resilient and all of these things that you didn't get with like any of the other women that we've seen before yeah like so the wedding the wedding is pretty bad um she did she i mean i I both love and hate it um what they decide is they're going to have a tetsubo tournament Last man standing gets to have Oushi's hand in marriage, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard and the most crane thing I've ever heard and the most Yakimo thing I've ever heard. But um, then... But it's not... Surprisingly, though, it's not Yakimo's idea. It's Daidoji Uji's idea because he really, really wants to win this tournament because he's all about uh, Hida Oushi. My favorite part of this tournament, though, is yeah. that she decides she's going to join the tournament and fight for herself. Her own hand in marriage. Yes. Which is yep. so good. And Yakimo, the scene where she busts in and is like, what? And like Yakimo's looking at the Shugenja like, can she do that? Can she do that? And they're like, uh, I think so. It's very good. It's very Loophole good. Loophole motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. And yeah, I mean, she does pretty well. She does proceed to beat the shit out of most of these men that show up. And then... At the very end, she gets down to... It's down to three three, three people standing. Uh, herself, Daidoji Uji, and off to one side, there's another guy. And her and Daidoji Uji are in it to win it. And the two of them... Like fucking cartoon characters, clonk heads and knock themselves clean out. Um, at which point, the last man standing is Shinjo Yasumura, who it ter- it will t- soon be revealed 
didn't know what was going to happen when he showed up today. Him and his dad, the Unicorn Clan champion, were riding through, heard about this tournament, and his dad was like, this sounds cool. He's the youngest son of the champion. And his dad, I, it's not clear if the, if Shinjo Yokatsu knew that this was going on and just neglected to tell Yasamura. I mean, or, honestly, it sounded like from the way I read it, it sounded like he knew exactly what this tournament was and didn't bother to tell it's, Yasamura. It's, it's, it's good either way. Either... They were just cruising through, and he's like, yeah, here, go swing a Tetsubo. Either you get clunked and, and something happens and I don't care, or they show up and he does know, and he just doesn't think it's important to tell him that I'm about to like either get you clonked on the head or marry you off to the crab. Um, either way, it's, it's funny. Um, but yeah, Yasamura ends up winning this thing kind of by default. Uh, but then the gross part, which is that while... Hidaoshi is unconscious. The Shugenja run in and marry her to Yasamura while she's literally unconscious because they're afraid that if she wakes up, she won't sit still for it. Um, which raises some some pretty problematic questions about consent um, and stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it's somewhat. Look, everyone, don't bash a woman on the head. And then marry her while she's unconscious, I think is the important lesson here. Don't do it. Yeah, I think we can all agree to that. Uh, the uh, It's blunted very slightly by the fact that Yasamura is very obviously a good dude from the way he talks. He's very much like, oh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll totally be joining your clan and like... He's just a real sweet idiot. Yeah, he's a real sweet idiot, I think is a good way of putting it. And um, Oushi uh, refers to him as a he will be a good little wife, um, referencing the name of the, the fiction. So it's pretty clear well, that... Yeah, earlier she gets mad at Yakumo and is like, you just want me to be a good little wife. And she doesn't want that. And so then afterwards, I think was it Yakumo asks her, like what she thinks of him and she's like what she thinks of Yasamura and she's like he'll be a good little wife yeah it's pretty clear that that's going to, that he's going to be a uh it's pretty clear that he's going to be an acceptable uh husband to her because he he's not going to try and tame Oushi he's going to assume the the subservient role uh in contrast to typical Rokugani gender roles. Uh, so anyway, yeah, that's the end of Good Little Wife and Hida Oushi's marriage. We both like that story, despite its little bit of problematicness with Yakimo. Yeah, well, because I just really like Oushi, and she's like 100% exactly my type, so. <laughs> okay, uh, question. Uh-huh. If you hooked up with Hida Oushi... <laughs> Who would be the good little wife? You or Hida Oushi? Oh, for sure it would be me. Okay. Just making, just, just clearing that up. Don't act like you don't know that. Just clearing that up. I mean, she's also supposed to be, like, canonically supposed to be, like, six and something feet tall. I, mean, I feel like everybody is the good little wife to Hida Oushi. I don't think anybody can challenge that. 
Yeah, also, okay, so also her art. I want to talk about her art for a minute because, like, in almost all of the depictions, she's, like, wearing armor, but also, like, not anything underneath. And I just really need to talk about the chafing issues there. Yeah, that seems like that would be really uncomfortable. Like, that can't be good for your nipples, right? They make long-distance runners have to wear, like, things over their nipples to keep them from getting chafed and bleeding and they're just wearing like a t-shirt right if you're wearing like a big old like lacquered breastplate damn and i just gotta imagine that like the underboob sweat because that's not breathable okay (laughs) (laughs) okay um the crab are trying to do some stuff though aside from having hammer tournaments and and um, shitty dead dads yeah they are trying to like get back to doing some crabbing yeah there is a place called shiro hiruma which for generations i think at this point mm-hmm. uh has been lost in the shadowlands because a fuck giant oni called the maw uh which we did not make na- that up yeah, doesn't mean anything to you, but in generations to come will be a big deal because he's kind of a famous Oni as time goes by. Um, took it over. Ate it. Unclear. It's called the Maw. You'd think it would eat it, but maybe not. We don't know. Anyway, um, the crab decide they're going to go get it, assuming it's not in the stomach of the Oni. They get some help. Kind of. Uh, the Naga show up and they're like, hey, we hate the Shadowlands too. We'll help you get your house back. Except that then they later decide like, no, nah, we have better things to do. Yeah. The, the Naga are like, oh, our, our, our big thing is Shadowlands. We hate the Shadowlands. That's our most important thing that we we're all about hating the Shadowlands. Uh, but not because then all of a sudden... The Naga get the get get a a radio wave that there's something there's some new corruption that they care more about and they're like oh wait didn't you know we're all about hating the shadow so we got to go deal with that and fuck you and as a result they leave the crab who apparently find hero hero uh who apparently find Shiro Haruma way the fuck out in the Shadowlands and actually do conquer it do take it back from the Shadowlands, but they're like on a little island in the middle of the Shadowlands, and then the Naga just peace the fuck out to go fuck up Hatomi, uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And oh, they're gone. That's it. The Naga peace out, and now now Yakimo and his forces are ditched in the middle of nowhere with no backup. So here's my question about this. Yeah. I mean, supposing that the Naga make any sense at all, which is a big hypothetical here. Mm-hmm. Why did they not, like, know about this ahead of time? Everybody knew that Hitomi has this crazy black stone arm, right? Yeah. Everybody, like, they seen it. They seen it. Why? Why is this suddenly now? A thing that they have to deal with. Wouldn't you think that they would have realized right away that this arm was going to be a problem? Because uh, the arm's not the problem. It's what's in her basement that's the problem. 
But is her basement the one that's whispering to her? Yeah. So well, it's, like the it's arm a combination. Just like amplifying it's, that. Yeah, it's a combination of things. Like if I she because like have... obsidian is like inherently not good. Yeah, it's a combination of things. Um, if she didn't have the obsidian hand, she wouldn't be connected to the moon in a way that would let her be susceptible to it. But if she also, if that was all she had, if she were, I don't know, hanging out in Gizeh Toshi or in Odo Sanucci, she also would not be the existential threat that the Naga find her to be. So what's our takeaway from the crab here? Um, it feels good to have crab back on their bullshit. I like that they're not BFFs with the Shadowlands. Um, and honestly, I greatly enjoy their brazen disregard for the odds and, you know, lack of planning. It's just very crab. I like Hidaushi. I like that Yakimo is in mortal peril. And I dislike everything about Hidekasada for all time. Except that he's dead. You like that he's dead. I like that he's dead, but I don't like what that meant as far as him being a fortune. It's true. We will, in the next episode, talk about more about what's going on with Hitomi and her spooky spooky arm slash basement voice. Yep. Um but this is this is kind of the lead up. Like we're this is kind of where things are at. We've only covered what really the Phoenix and the Crab, right? Like what yep. they're up to. So next time we'll get a little more into what everybody's up to um while Toturi's still around before he goes missing again. Yep. As he's apt to do. Yep. As well as the promised but not yet covered tournament result shenanigans. Yes. So I guess you have to listen to us again. (laughs) Haha. Suckers. Garbage of the Five Rings is an independent production and can be found online at www.garbageofthefiverings.com and on Twitter at G5R Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Amelia Antrim, and I can be found on Twitter at Ginger Reckoning. My co-host, Jude Vase, can be found on Twitter at Aramidic Jude. Sources for this episode and further information on the topics discussed can be found in the show notes. Thanks for letting us waste your time. We'll be back in two weeks.